This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. Uh, first up today, a look at the call to protect public land in KL and the Klang Valley. So this is something that is coming from the Slamatkan Kuala Lumpur NGO group who are urging Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim to make regulatory changes to protect public land. Uh, so they're proposing that the PM tweak Rule 7 of the Planning Development Rules 1970 so that public consultation, uh, such a big sticking point for all of these conversations, can begin early for any planned development to make it easy to identify projects that do not align with public interest. Yeah, you know, Lynn, one of the things I think that happens with a lot of us is that we don't think about these issues, especially when it gets very procedural and legalistic, until something comes into our neighbourhood. Like somebody decides to put an elevated toll highway right in front of your house. Then you start to feel the need to get involved and invested in bureaucratic processes that underscore all this. So the Save uh, Slamaka and Kuala Lumpur uh, campaign might seem something arcane and odd in this minority interest, but actually it speaks to all our interests as people who live in, in these cities. So I, I think it's very salient that you mentioned that for most of us, particularly when it gets procedural, we maybe drop out a little bit. I would argue that another way in which we miss out is that very often, um, very often these things don't feel concrete until they are there in concrete and then it's too late to change anything because it is hard to visualise sometimes what it is that these changes look like. Um, they also often come in language that indicate why it's going to be great, why it's going to be great for you, why it's going to be great for your children. Um, and so all of these things make it make it a little more abstract until it lands um, as a as a concrete, it's here now. And by then, it is often too late to actually get involved to change anything. Yeah. And so the transition between the now for a lot of us and what the project proposer concessionaire is dreaming about is often years of displacement, dust and mayhem, right? And so, in fact, you know, on the PJD Link uh, issue, the campaign has included architects who are drawing pictures of what exactly gets destroyed in the process. So not that idyllic view of the vision of that horizon, but the the reality of what these projects do. So, uh, we are going to be joined after this by people from Slamatkan Kuala Lumpur, uh, Chairman Dato M. Ali, and it, one of the members, Peter Leong. And we'd like to hear from you. Do you think that we're using our land in KL correctly or well? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from monotony. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is five thirteen, and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. Today we are talking about the call to better protect public land and public land use in KL and the Klang Valley. This is coming by way of the NGO Slamatkan Kuala Lumpur. Let us know. Do you think we're using our land? in KL correctly or well? Do you have suggestions on how it can be done better? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 
999. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now for this, uh, we have two representatives from Selamatkan Kuala Lumpur. It's Chairman Dato M. Ali and Member Peter Leong. Uh, Dato Ali, Peter, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. So, um, Dato Ali, let's start with you. Um, SKL has urged the PM to make regulatory changes to protect public lands in KL and the Klang Valley. What are some of the major issues that you're trying to address here? Basically, we have uh, been advocating this issue of the abuse on the public land, such as open space, green space, which are primarily meant for this community and society at large. And parks, examples are parks and green spaces to help build community and protect the human, physical and mental health. These communal spaces have uh, must be preserved. I mean, even including water retention ponds, for instance, they should be preserved. So these are the very strong points which they must consider before they are all uh, removed for development and concretized. Now, Peter, you've called for public consultation to begin early for any de- planned development and to make it easy to identify projects that don't align with a public interest. Has there been a lack of balance uh, between public and private interests, especially at the land acquisition stage of development? Uh, I think obviously we think there has been a lack of balance uh, because otherwise we wouldn't have bothered to uh, you know, put out all the um, statements that we have. I think one of the things is this, uh, the question of balance is something that needs to be, um, again, uh, determined through a kind of a, a balanced discourse, uh, open and transparent. And I think that's, that's currently the part that is eluding, um, eluding us. Uh. Uh, at the moment, you find that um, these things go on very much uh, behind closed doors. There isn't enough uh, early um, disclosure to the public about uh, what's going on. And... Um, it would be good if we don't immediately jump into this thing about what's balanced or unbalanced, but to actually ensure that the, um, the right processes are followed so that there is a, um, a dialogue uh, to, to actually understand what is actually balanced. Uh. Could you give us some examples of public land that um, hasn't taken into account the needs of the communities in terms of how it's then been used or developed? Oh, I, it's quite a long, uh, I think, endless litany of it. I mean, just, just echoing a bit of what Dato Ali talked about, retention ponds and all that. Perhaps one good example, uh, case study, is the you know the Taman Desa uh, retention pond, prob- uh, formerly known to most people as Desa Water Park. So uh, back in the 2000s, it was actually gazetted as a recreational lake. Um, it was about 24 hectares, a big area. Uh, then what happened was, um, I think if people recall a bit um, over the past decade or, and a half, uh, it became the Smart Tunnel's um, uh, principal uh, collector pond, I think, for, for water coming out of the Smart Tunnel. And uh, since 2007 or so, it's actually been performing that function, although it still remains as a recreational lake. But sometime in the uh, 2014, we found that the 24 acres was uh, revoked in entirety from its public purpose uh, status. Uh. And uh, after that, of course, it became a bit of a mystery what was going on. But um, four years later, it actually got regazetted. Now, this time, the Gazette calls it a um, uh, basically a drainage or stormwater uh, management reserve. And uh, this time around, the voila, the size has gone down from 24 hectares to 17 hectares. So the mystery of um, uh, whether uh, only 17 was technically required or uh, is, is something that's never been... Um, I think made known to the public. But one thing we can, we do see from the um, uh, KL City plan, KL City plan meaning the local plan, 
does still treat the entire 24 acres as drainage reserve. So in other words, we are in a situation here where um, the land office has actually um, reduced the size of the drainage reserve to 17, but the uh, local planning authority still says that 24 is required. So I think there's a lack of transparency as to what the, the truth is. Uh. Apart from retention ponds, there's also one curious example, quite recent, this one, during the um, MCO in the 2020, late 2020, um, piece of land opposite the um, Pantai Hospital. Actually, it was uh, like a minor green lung, green space. But it had a water tank uh, running right through the middle of it. So you just imagine this, it was a longish strip. But running through the middle, bisecting that, the middle of that longish strip was actually a, a road, access road leading to a water tank. And that water tank was actually, again, a public purpose uh, land reserve. Quietly, it was uh, excised from um, a public purpose in, um, I think it was sometime in late 2020. And uh, very fast, the wheels moved. And today, we find that it has been um, uh, alienated with a final title to a developer who has actually got a preliminary development order. So that's another example of um, uh, other than retention ponds. Uh. I think retention ponds, you'll find that there's almost no limit to um, uh, the examples. I could go on and on, actually. And um, I think most people here might be familiar, too, with the, 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 the case that was highlighted by a few members of parliament, including uh, YB Hanna Yo and uh, Lim Lit Eng, sometime a year and a half ago, about the um, uh, excerpts of uh, cases relating to retention ponds that were highlighted in the uh, 2017 Auditor General's report. So uh, many to be found there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Peter, for you know explaining how opaque the situation is. But Dr. Ali, if I come back to you, when there is a dispute of a, a project, what steps can be taken to negotiate between the conflicting parties of interest? Right. Fundamentally, there should be a prior engagement by the authorities, starting with the DBKL and the land office. So that is a fundamental. And uh, City Hall being the DBKL, being the administrator of our city, Kuala Lumpur, they owe the obligation to inform the public, the city dwellers, the Warga Kota Kuala Lumpur, of uh, what they have in plan. Why do they do all these in shrouded secrecy? This is the issue we have been going through. And we have repeatedly been uh, at various forums highlighting, we want everything to be transparent and open. So that is the reason why we are emphasizing now the Prime Minister is overseeing uh, the federal territory of Kuala Lumpur, Labuan and Trajaya. So particularly coming to Kuala Lumpur where the total abuse of land is rampant. Peter mentioned about this, where there's water, what do you call uh, ISLAMO or uh, reservoir, small reservoir, mini reservoir was there. And that's being sort of uh, alienated to somebody and now the water retention pond will be relocated. And that's going to take a, a toll on the residents in the vicinity. As it is, Jalan Bukit Pantai, we are familiar, is a disaster. Now, with this development coming up, which we understand is about 70 stories high, again, is going to make the place worse. So this is where we are concerned that all public land must be preserved and they should put a moratorium. They should not alienate any land without going through public process public hearing, public engagement. Thank you. Peter, the mismanagement of uh, gazetting revocations and new reservations has also been brought up. Uh, what problems does this lead to and how do you suggest the government remedy it? 
Um, well, at the moment, um, yeah, you can call it mismanagement, but technically, uh, I think a lot, everything can be said to be happening within the law because our our laws are not particularly strong in this area. But yet, at the same time, we wish that um, uh, new government, you know, Madani government, will actually try to um, do things above and beyond what exists in the law in order to uh, improve um, uh, improve our our nation. And uh, one of these things is really one one key theme. Really, is uh, uh, I think uh, public participation because um, if you look at the, the, the our country's um, planning laws, town planning laws for the past half a century, actually since 1976, the principle of public participation has actually uh, been included in our town planning laws. But the process of actual public participation being made available uh, seems to have. Um, uh, dragged on for far too long, uh, for decades. Uh. And I think as we come to this half-century mark, uh, we need to actually ensure that um, uh, the spirit and essence of public participation is actually delivered, not just by the planning authorities, but also by the land authorities. So in this case, about what, what is the um, steps that I suggest for government to remedy? Well, I think it's very simple. First of all, when a piece of uh, public purpose uh, land needs to be um, used for something else, the consultation process must be um, open and transparent. The notices, instead of just being hidden away in the in a legal document called the Federal Gazette, which uh, no one really reads, it should actually be put, for example, on the uh, websites and social media of both the land office and the BKL, in order that um, um, everyone who might have a concern about it will be flagged uh, to actually come up with their views. And uh, most importantly, this has to happen before... Um, the land deal happens. I think, unfortunately, what we have seen is that often the land transaction, either in the form of an alienation or in the form of a, uh, con a conversion at the land office, uh, is done before the consultation with the public under town planning laws. And um, we have also uh, we also understand there have been cases where a land proprietor or developer, having obtained the necessary land conversion at the land office, then brings a lawyer along to DBKL to say that, look here, my land status is already uh, fit for um, sustenance development and you are obliged to give us the development order. So we have heard of uh, such things happening and um, uh, developers are carving DBKL into um, uh, giving them the development order simply because they have managed to do something by jumping the gun at the land office. You know, all that must stop. Uh, uh, if you actually look at the way the current uh, policies or guidelines are written, actually there is a process for pre-consultation with the um, planning authority, meaning DBKL, before the um, land office does anything in terms of a conversion or alienation. But this, unfortunately, is not something that is hard-coded in law. It may be hard-coded in um, some kind of guideline, but at the very most, it can uh, be something, form a basis for a civil servant getting a slap on the wrist and nothing more than that. Now, Dato Ali, um, you know, the question of what's driving all these, uh, the, also the question of lack of accountability and such, um, you have emphasized the value of public land, that the value of public land should not be just its price, but also its contributions to quality of life. So question is, how do we measure this exactly? It's immeasurable, Chad. Basically, anything that's meant for the public, I mean, just green lung, for instance, it's if it's alienated and tomorrow is a concrete tower there, it's going to affect your health and my health and everyone else's health, basically. So there is a there's no price to it, number one. Number two, the 
I, I would even go one step further. Uh, all the MPs, all the MPs, huh? I'm talking about the entire parliament, should be, should be alert because this is KL, the national capital. And in particular, the MPs of Kuala Lumpur should be always be fully alert to the happenings in Kuala Lumpur, especially in the area of environment, which I think is totally lacking, except for one or two who have been uh, taking the challenges along with us. But the others are all just on, uh, on a different mode. So I think, uh, once again, I will appeal to all the MPs, particularly of Kuala Lumpur, to come forward and take up the issues because they have got the various platforms and they enable the, the easy access to the powers be. Thank you. So we have two minutes uh, left. Dato Ali, in closing, uh, what have you done to encourage more public participation in terms of city planning? Do you see members of the public being keen to have a say? In today's environment and context, I mean, uh, there are more and more people becoming aware of the need participating in the local plan, in the, the draft plan, the local plan. And uh, I think we need the help of the media as well to create the awareness and the concern because uh, it's going to affect not only the present generation, the future generation. You got to think. We have to think of. We must leave something for the future. Otherwise, we'll uh, fully destroy whatever is left just because of within inverted commas. I would say the greed, the greed of men to just think of nothing else but the dollar sign. Thank you. Dato Ali, thank you both so much for speaking with us today. That was Dato M. Ali and Peter Leong, both representing Slamatkan Kuala Lumpur and talking about the need for more public engagement and for the government to make that public engagement possible in talking about land use in Kuala Lumpur and the Klang Valley. Let us know, do you think we're using land in KL correctly or well? Uh, are there things we could be doing better? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018 Tweet us at BFM Radio. Brewing frothy mocha. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod. And we started off our show today by talking about the ways in which we use public land in Kale and the Klang Valley. Slamat Khan Kuala Lumpur is asking uh, the Prime Minister to make regulatory changes to protect public land in, um, in, in the capital, essentially, and saying that public consultation is hugely important and needs to be able to happen sooner. So we're asking you, uh, do you think we're using land in KL correctly or well? It's a bit of a trick question, actually. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at PFM Radio. So let's start with TIDJ who says, let's not compare KL to Singapore. Let's look domestically and compare KL to Penang. Despite development, Penang has multiple pockets of greenery. Areas like Gurney, Kalawai, Pulau Tikus all have later trees with huge canopies. Apart from Tamantun, Bukit Tunku and Tamanduta, development in KL often results in concretification and degreenification. I don't use this word lightly, but I disdain the monotone monotone greyish vibe that is Kale City. More land should be allocated for green pockets. It should be encouraged for large canopy trees to be planted along roads like Jalan Masjid Negeri in Penang. The city needs a living essence, not this sterile, bordering, Coruscant-ish vibe from Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of people who think about 
the environment, right? And so, and, and then, you know, bringing a certain uh, uh, quality descriptive power to it also, I think it's very important because it, what is it that we're comparing to and how do people who live in the city feel about their agency, their ability to uh, to participate in what's happening around them. They either think it's government that's controlling everything or they, they think it's big business that controls everything. And of course, they would be right, wouldn't they? That those two are the big agents of change within cities and a lot of citizens are left uh, by, as bystanders. Yes, but we have to look at ourselves also, right? I, I mean, I, I agree with you in that, of course, government, big business interests, um, these are important aspects to look at. But the other part of it is when we say we're looking around the city, are we actually observing our city? And when we see changes happening, when we see a, a new, when we see trees being cut down and, you know, um, new buildings coming up, is the feeling, or is the feeling, oh, well, that's happening. Great. Um, or is it, I need to get involved in order to stop uh, further further use of public land in this way. And I think for a lot of us stuck in the rat race, the reaction is often the the former. We regret it, we bemoan it, we're not happy with it, but how involved we get with it is quite another thing. Yeah, resignation, I think, is um, the natural default of people who feel powerless. And we look at Penang, I think, uh, in particular, you have a very strong civil society movement there, or movements, and the, a lot of them have come uh, together to either save Penang Hill or or to save heritage buildings and uh, do you know advocacy on basis of it. Very lucky because the state and, in fact, civil society came together to get that UNESCO heritage status done for the city, and that's preserved a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the lungs and I think a lot of the, uh, the heritage that was so important. So we have a couple of messages that put paid to uh, or are from engaged citizens, which I think really matters. So Nevin, for example, says, PJ residents got leave from court today um, and highlighting the fact that uh, residents can bring a case to compel the production of PJD-linked documents. Nevin goes on to say, this shows that the courts have matured to recognise that the Rakyat do indeed have a right to information to seek for these vital documents that affect livelihoods that have in the past been rejected for bureaucratic reasons. Meanwhile, Sri Ram says, I fully agree with SKL. The public must have much greater say over any development plans for the city, especially for the few remaining green spaces in KL. The quality of life has been declining over the decades, in no small part due to haphazard overdevelopment. I'm so sick of greedy developers and vested interests ruining our city for their selfish profits, while ordinary people are stuck with the consequences. We need to be much more like Canada or Australia, where local residents can block development projects that would be detrimental to the interests of the people in the area. Yeah, you know, Thanks, Devin, for bringing up the question of PJ Delink. I also read the um, the news uh, with delight because I'm directly impacted. So I'll, I'll, I'll confess to that. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times what happens hides behind bureaucratic processes. And they seem not just opaque, but they seem unmovable. And I think that's the frustration. It seems like the bureaucracy, which is supposed to just help improved governance becomes a way of hiding other agendas. Meanwhile, we have Robert who says, lands get alienated, I believe, due to corruption. Ah, well, that's a presumption, right? We think that the the opaque nature of these processes or these histories when you look at particular cases really is about benefiting particular stakeholders. So whether it's true or not, that is in fact the presumption. 
you'd think that the bureaucrats would want to clear their names by, in fact, mm. having more transparency. That's not really happened in our history. Anon says, the Kanun Tanah Negara or and whatever land bylaws must be reviewed and updated immediately. It's been 60 years and Malaysia's landscape has definitely changed, so we cannot allow the mentality that we must make way for development being a priority. We are overdeveloping. Even as we speak, a small plot of land in Maitaman is facing a proposed building that would further congest the neighbourhood and its traffic. There are more disadvantages disadvantages than advantages if this building goes through. The residents have been given only about seven days to raise objections. So one seriously wonders whether the existing laws really have the Rakyat's interest at heart. Without changes, we're worried every development would require a costly, full-blown legal battle, which not all residents can afford. Imagine an owner's grief when he or she bought a home in to live peacefully the rest of their lives, only to suddenly find a drastic change right next door. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's going to be a litany of sad stories to be uh, repeated on the show if we, we carry on this wave. But there have been some real positive, I think, stories of people pushing back. So you think of the uh, Kolalang at North Forest Reserve case, you know, and it was defeated. Despite the kind of bureaucratic hurdles that were put in place, it was roundly defeated. And I think that's the show that if we are and we do get interested and we push and come together, we can defeat these larger forces of greed. Keep those thoughts coming. How do you think we're doing in terms of land use in KL? Are we doing it correctly or well or basically in the public interest? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.